Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Looking to throw over the middle and into the end zone. Touchdown, Arizona State. We support each other's uh, teams the rest of the year, but during this game, all bets are off. That was all Keaton Slovis. Wow, what a play by him. One man to beat 15-10-5. Touchdown, a new NCAA record. Dante Pettis. Washington State has found a way to move the ball. It's incredible what we're seeing here in Pullman tonight. Touchdown, Oregon. They fake the handoff. Justin Herbert delivers a dart. I went to HR several times uh, about how the Duck fans treat me. Touchdown, Utah. I mean, this is the Pac-12 we're talking about. Welp, the regular season is over. We made it through the COVID year. Well, we, what, what we hope is the actual only COVID year, and we will break down the final weekend slate of games for you right here on Believe in the Pac-12 on the Believe Podcast Network along with ESPN. Oh, God damn it. Sorry, I was about to say ESPN because it's already still ingrained. Let me restart that. Well, you can't. You can't. I think I'm. I think I got the cheese it Bowl. So you probably you can. Oh, if you really? Want to, you can, oh, well. Yeah, okay. So. <laughs> Don't promote um, that though. They haven't. They haven't given me the contract yet. Okay. I won't. I won't. Um. I'll just restart the intro. Well, we somehow made it through the coronavirus season. Hopefully, it's the only COVID season, and we get a sense of normalcy. Nonetheless, seven weeks of Pac-12 football have come and gone, and we will break down the final weekend, including the Pac-12 championship, for you right here on Believe in the Pac-12, along with Ryan Leaf, Sirius XM college football analyst. My name is Jonathan Rifkin. Delighted to be with you on a Monday afternoon is when we're recording this. It'll drop on Monday evening, and most of you will probably listen um, throughout the week because this is a very prevalent podcast. We're going to go over the five, or rather the four games Arizona Cal got canceled. That happened this previous weekend in the final slate of Pac-12 football games. Maybe we'll go over some of the bowl matchups um, that will be happening. And then don't worry, folks, we won't leave you hanging after this podcast. We'll have some pop-up pods. We'll keep you in the loop on everything that is going on around the nation as well as in the Pac-12. But for Ryan, you know, the college football playoff rankings came out yesterday. We did a bit of a show. But I think it's good to reiterate here on this podcast um, something that you have been pointing out, and that is the fact that it, it just wasn't going to change, and it didn't. We have the top four seeds, exactly the top four seeds that you have been predicting, that most analysts within the business have been predicting. Before we move to the Pac-12 conversation here, um, also, the coaches came out with their own polls, which shows that the biases and the agendas are just so out of whack all over the place with everybody. Um, you know, give us your now that we're 24 hours away or after the final college ball playoff rankings release, what are your thoughts now that you've had some time to process what has happened? Um, incredibly unfair. Um, but if your goal is to crown a national champion and have the two best teams play for the national championship, um, the two best teams got in and they'll most likely play for the national championship, Clemson and Alabama. But I'll tell you this. Um, if they did what the FCS does this year and this year only, here are your matchups. Okay, everybody, 
Alabama versus BYU. BYU, the talk of the, the year, the, the, the game of the year when they chose to play on a 36-hour uh, timeline against Coastal Carolina. That would, be, uh, that would be in the first round. You know, BYU would probably be a 28-point underdog, right? Maybe more. Who knows? But don't forget, we just watched a 24-point underdog win on the road, okay? It, it's fun. It's enjoyable. Iowa versus Clemson. Iowa's probably one of the most um, skilled teams coming down the stretch out of the Big Ten right now. I would, I, I would say that if they would have had to play Ohio State in the Big Ten championship, it would have been, you know, a, a better chance than, than Northwestern in that game. And Northwestern was close. Um, North Carolina, Ohio State, or sorry, North Carolina, uh, Northwestern, Ohio State would be 3-14 matchup, which we just saw. And it was a close game. North Carolina, Notre Dame, which we saw a couple weeks ago. And it was a seven-point game until late in the fourth quarter. A&M, Coastal. I like that one. I, I would love to see that game. Indiana, Oklahoma. That one I want to see. Iowa State, Florida. Hell yeah. You, the committee said all year that oh, Iowa State was so impressive. They got all the way up to six. They were ahead of Florida, actually, after a week ago. It's crazy as they lose to the number 10 team in the country. They fall four spots. Uh, Florida gets beat by Alabama. They don't move. They stay at seven. Nothing changes. And then we would have Cincinnati, Georgia, which I think would be – those eight games I think would be entertaining as hell. Now, ultimately, it still may be Alabama-Clemson when that tournament's over, and that's the way it should be. But the committee has removed all semblance of enjoyment outside these four teams. Like, like the, the rest of the season, the rest of the games played don't exist. And that's shameful. And unfortunately, they told us that a team that's only played four games is enough of a resume is enough of an eye test that they can be in the college football playoff. And that is just not fair. And uh, I thought this year would be the year that since it was a pandemic season, that the most deserving should have got in this year. And Ohio state wasn't the most deserving team this year, but away we go. Away we go. That's the best, I guess, the best way to put it, because what else is there to do? Um, I have some bull pressing questions, some just, you know, tie in some conversations that have been happening nationally with some of these programs that we'll get to at the end. But I think it's prevalent now to hit the Pac-12 um, recapping this past weekend. Obviously, USC finishes the season ranked 17th in the college football playoff rankings. They are 21st. They drop eight spots in the AP top 25. Oregon creeps in at 25 in both polls. Um, I'm not going to argue with that. The fact that Oregon's ranked is fine. USC being above them, they should be because they had a one loss. Um, and the, again, no. this, you, you disagree. Yeah, there's no reason for USC to be in the top 20 or the top 25, to be honest Interesting. with Interesting. Yeah. Um, I think Colorado doesn't play, gets screwed out of it, and gets moved outside, gets moved out of the top 25. So I, I, don't, I don't understand that at all. Um, but uh, this, is, this is such a subjective matter um on how this goes about uh, any of it and uh <laughs> it's not gonna nothing's gonna change it so you know you have opinion you have an opinion on what you think should be um i i was giving usc the benefit out all year long because they kept finding a way to win and they had every chance to just showcase themselves and and their talent and everything on friday night and they absolutely um just threw up all over themselves 
you know, once again, when an opportunity presented it. And so I, you know, I don't, I don't believe they deserve to be in the top 25 right now at all. I can't believe Clay Helton put his team down as the 13th ranked team in the country again. Now I, I get it. He's the head coach of that said team and he's doing it for his players. But I mean, that's just, that's, um, you know, that's blindness to what reality is really it is. And, uh, you know, I just, I can't believe how, how poorly they played when they had a chance to really make a statement for themselves. I, I really don't care about the PAC 12 through that process, but this was for themselves. And I think for a lot of people that have been sticking up for clay and, you know, to see the poor um, clock management, game management, all of that, that comes down on him and how he goes about things. And they're, they're exactly where clay Helton like lives in. And that's limbo. Like, Everybody in the country wish, or everybody in the country who loves USC wishes they would have lost all those close games. And no one was rooting for USC to win that game on Friday night, except you, you know, because you needed was, three points. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was only doing it, again, ha happy to be wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy to be wrong. I'd rather be wrong and happy than, uh, than right and disappointed. Um, and my Oregon Ducks did pull out another Pac-12 championship. We'll get to that last on the slate um what's more absurd clay helton giving usc a 13th rank in his coaches poll or Dabo sweeney ranking ohio state 11 um well Dabo really has said all along that six games for him it's it's not it's not enough you, he understands what it's like to be the head of the spear right and have to go out and play week in and week out and get everybody's best shot and ohio state did not have to do that this year everybody always gives them their best shot but they didn't have five of those games. But 11, do it. 11 is behind Coastal, behind – I mean, that's pretty low. Yeah, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not mad at it. I mean, I had, I had Ohio State at five, okay? You know, so it's, it's, a little, it's a little bit of a, you know, petty cheap shot. Yeah. But I'm also like, hey, if, you, if in your mind, if in your mind you are like, I don't care. I know what it's like to be really, really good and be a 35-point favorite at Syracuse and get beat. Okay, so I know how difficult it is when you get everybody else's best shot. And when you don't have to play those games, that, that, that plays into an effect for him. That's, that's his understanding of it. So he's like, I'm going to give the team of Coastal Carolina that played 11 games and scheduled one on a 36-hour timetable and won. Yep. I'm going to give them more credit. I'm going to give them what they deserve in all of this. Just like I did. I have Coastal at eight. I have Louisiana at 10. That's my top 10, okay? They're deserving. There's no way Iowa State belongs ahead of Louisiana. And yet Louisiana is at 19 and Iowa State is at 10 with three losses. The other one is just simply, this, this is how much of proof could this be in terms of uh, the committee telling the group of five, you will never, and I mean ever, get in the top four of the playoff. Ever. Undefeated Cincinnati conference champion behind three-loss Florida. That right there is telling you that they will never put a group of five team in the playoff. 
Yeah, no, it's pretty absurd. I apologize, Ryan. I'll delete this part. My camera flipped, but I'm still here. Um, I'll flip in a sec. Um, I agree. And by the way, to prove how valuable ULL right now is, Billy Napier turned down the Auburn interview, head coach at ULL. Now, I'm not sure if that's because he thinks that there's a better job out there, but he's firmly in belief that ULL, um, they have something special going down there in, in Lafayette, Appaloosa's area, and he wants to stick with the Raging Cajuns. I don't blame him. So um, I, <laughs> I think that for the most part, uh, how you feel about this, Ryan, is definitely um, how most people or the people that have been following the program. All right, let's move over here to the Pac-12 conversation. As we've much alluded to, we'll, we'll end with the, the Friday Pac-12 championship. I think that's the best way to sort of cap this conversation. Then we'll have some, well, maybe some bowl game previews uh, within the Pac-12. Then I have a couple of questions um, regarding the national perspective and some of the conversations, the pressing conversations that are going on with uh, programs, perhaps outside of the Pac-12. Um, and we will get to those after. All right, so let's start with the Saturday games, Utah-Washington State. Washington State was up 28-7 to at half. You texted me and said, we were way off on Washington State. And then, what, 45 minutes later, you said, just kidding, we weren't. So 7-14-24, second, third, and fourth quarter scoring for Utah. They went 45-28. Um, Washington State looked like they were going to run away with this thing at halftime. They imploded. Utah took advantage, ends their season three and two. Ryan, um, Explain to me how it was a tale of two halves for Washington State because, I mean, they look like a totally different beast in the first half and then they just look completely flat out there in the second. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I turned it off at halftime, 28-7. <laughs> I thought it was going to end – I thought I actually thought the game was going to end up like 42 to, you know, 17 or something like that, you know, and I, I thought I had seen enough. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't turn it off. I just turned the sound off and was watching the other games, of course, uh, um, Notre Dame and, and Clemson had kicked off. And so I was paying more attention to that. And then I looked down and, and then I thought, then I'm, I'm ashamed to say that I was more worried about, Oh, it looks like Utah's coming back. I hope, I hope they can get, get to uh, 11 points and we can cover. And then they got a, I don't know if it was a fumble or an interception that got taken back to the house that made it 42 to like 28 or something. And I just went, Oh my God, how does that happen? And to me, it just looked like they ran out of gas. Like this season had come to, they hit, had hit this wall. Max Borgie hadn't played all year, was a dominant force in the first half. It was kind of non-existent in the second half. Kyle Whittingham and his staff really, really made great adjustments at halftime. And that's exactly what coaching is about in division one, power five football. Uh, just like in the NFL is what kind of adjustments can you make at halftime? Because you have an idea going into the game, but teams can surprise you. But what do you see in that first half where you can make changes that can effectively change the outcome of the game? And Utah, once again, did that to a young, inexperienced coaching staff for Washington State. Um, I thought they would get more quarterback play from some other guys. They stuck with Jaden Delora for quite a while. Cam Cooper, the local product there from Utah got a chance to get in so it's going to be an interesting offseason when it comes to the quarterback position at Washington State and how they get better so they can compete a year from now. Hi Jordan 22 for 154 and three touchdowns on the ground for Utah uh, that ended up really being the difference in that second half and by the way you mentioned uh, the scoring play on defense it was a fumble return by freshman defensive back Clark Phillips the third returned it to the house he's had a tough season out there in the secondary being attacked and um, all the 
eh, he didn't make up for it because they lost a few games with him out there in the secondary. But it has to feel pretty good to cap off your season if you're the young freshman and one of the, the highest actually recruit in Utah's history. They flipped him from Ohio State prior to the season. So Utah wins 45-28. Remains to be seen uh, on both sides of the quarterback situation. But uh, Utah in a little bit of a better position, I think, than Washington State. All right. The game that went to double overtime ended up <laughs> – with a one-point victory, Stanford over UCLA, 48-47. to This was a fantastic game. Um, this was a really, really good game. We both said uh, – we both took the points. It was Stanford plus three. They went by one. You had Stanford winning. I had UCLA winning, um, but on a push or some crazy play. Uh, you know, Stanford was up, what, 20 – I believe it was 22 to three at half. And then UCLA comes roaring back in that second half. They put a 14 in the third, 17 in the fourth, 13th in that first, 13 in that first overtime. They just couldn't get the job done in Stanford. Um, the dominant first half ended up proving the difference in that game. Davis Mills, though, 428, three touchdowns. Um, I know that the Mercury News, Ryan, came out with their sort of like their picks for first and second team for the Pac-12. And it was Tyler Shuck for the first team quarterback and Keaton Slovis for the second team quarterback. But to be honest with you, based on what we've seen, I know he got screwed out of two games. Davis Mills deserves to be in the conversation for one of the best quarterbacks this season in the conference. Am I wrong to say that? He, he was by, by far head and shoulders, the best quarterback in, in the PAC 12 this year. So I saw that too. John Wilner wrote that. And when I saw Tyler Shuck, you know, Tyler Shuck has some crazy stats this year. There's, yeah. there's some impressive stats, but um, he, he wasn't, if you gave the most outstanding player this year offensively to any team, Jarek Broussard, I can see that in yep. Colorado, but Davis Mills. Um, and I really thought that team hit the wall at halftime. I mean, they've been on the road for 18 consecutive days, played three consecutive road, fourth consecutive road games after having to go to Cal to play in the big game and win that game by one. But I told you this three weeks ago, I said, when this road trip started, when this is all said and done, we're going to look at Stanford and they're going to be the best team in the Pac-12. And if it would have been a 12-game season and COVID didn't exist, David Shaw would have had uh, a North champion this year uh, in Stanford. And I wouldn't have been surprised if it ended up being Arizona State and Stanford in the Pac-12 championship this year if a full season had been played. Those two teams are playing the best of anybody right now other than maybe Oregon, because Oregon looked really good, defensively at least. Um, and, uh, and so Stanford for me, and this game would have been over before regulation even played into it if Jet Toner could hit, a, hit an extra point. Um, they needed Sarah Fuller is what they needed, uh, just to make sure you had extra points and you win that game outright. I remember every time that Stanford scored late there uh, to tie it up, I was like, Please, David, Coach Shaw, go for two. End this season, please. <laughs> but he kept kicking the extra point, and Toner freaking bangs it off the, the upright and almost misses it to cost him the game. And um, finally, you know, also I had him plus six and a half. I couldn't have UCLA win by seven. That would just ruin my life. So, um, <laughs> so when Chip Kelly scored there on the final touchdown and I said, and he said, we're going to go for two to win this thing. I was like, thank you. Cause at that point I didn't care. I mean, a little more bragging rights cause I picked them to win outright, but you know, if they win by one or lose by one, um, you know, I still win in my mind. And then we all know it's about me. 
on this podcast, but certainly is. Uh, just just some uh, Jet Toner stats for you here. He was 63.5% on his field goals this year. That's tied for 119th in the country. Now, there were 160 kickers that kicked off a field goal or kicked a field goal this year. So he was 119 out of 160. His extra point percentage, 139th. And this is a short season. I mean, the sample size for some of these other kickers was much larger than Jet Toner. So his margin of error was smaller. And of the 162 kickers who kicked extra points, Jet Toner was 139th. Uh, in that class so not great not a great showing for the man with one of the best names I think in football but nonetheless Stanford gets the win for UCLA though um Demetrius Felton their star running back said that he was going uh, actually he didn't say it prior he said it after the game that he would declare for the NFL draft get ready they declined their bowl bid their season is done but Burton Brown looked pretty good 20 carries 219 yards on the ground against a team that is pretty staunch up front typically um in David Shaw's defense for UCLA I mean they, I think, look, they ended up the season under 500, but they were in every single game that they played. Are you surprised, uh, not at the overall record, but the overall play from Chip Kelly's squad this season? No, because they went three and four. So not surprised at all. But extract the record because they were in every single game they played. Not the point. If you lose games, who cares? <laughs> if they win them, they're seven and zero. Oh. That for me is, a, I, don't, I, don't, I don't take like, you know, um, moral victories moral victories in this is this third year you know finish it finish these games now I will say this um, I do think playing those close games and having a chance of being seven out is uh, is beneficial education but I think a lot of this you know Demetric Demetric Felton being gone um, DTR I don't know what he's going to do he got hurt um I don't know if he's coming back or not. I think they have a, a solid, solid replacement in, in Griffin at quarterback, but you know, they, they just, they still can't get it done. And again, for the what third consecutive year, they win three games. Yep. I think they want, you know, so um, he hasn't even gotten double figures in terms of wins yet in his career there. And um, next year is going to be a make or break year. If they do not get to a bowl game, next year or even I think compete for the South title uh, we could be talking about Chip Kelly um, no longer coaching there anymore that remains to be seen UCLA finishes their season three and four Stanford four and two and who would have known like you said uh, what would happen if Davis Mills didn't have uh, not didn't have he got kind of screwed with the false positive and had to sit out two weeks which is just a travesty but it, that's coronavirus that's the season that um, these players, unfortunately, had to endure, or fortunately, depending on which side you're on. Um, all right, final game on Saturday, Arizona State, Oregon State, Oregon State doing what Oregon State does. Very interesting fourth quarter, some decision-making by Jonathan Smith that was questioned, but nonetheless, they lose 46-33. Arizona State ends the season 2-2, two and two, Oregon State 2-3. and three. Um, Yeah, I mean, you said it earlier. If we had a full season, Arizona State may have had the opportunity to represent the South in the Pac-12 championship because they're playing their best football. Um, Their dynamic offense, their defense was stepping up a little bit. Um, But I want to talk about Oregon State here because, again, they lost by 13, but another game that they didn't totally feel out of come, um, you know, midway through the third when they did score their 12th point in the quarter, and it felt like maybe they could muster up an opportunity to get back into this game. But Oregon State, another team, who, I mean, of the seven games, they were really in six of them. One of their wins was against Oregon. Uh, What do you make of the season for Jonathan Smith and the Beavers? 
Wonderful season. See that there are moral victories at Oregon State. Okay. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist at, at UCLA because expectations are different. Jonathan Smith are changing expectations at Oregon State. And um, I guarantee they go to a bowl game a year from now. I guarantee they win six games a, a year from now. Uh, they're a problem for anybody they play in the Pac-12 now. Now it's not just right down to W when you have uh, Oregon State schedule on your on your schedule. It's different. Jonathan Smith has done that. He's going to get him to a bowl. He's going to get a huge uh, extension to stay there in, in Corvallis. He's going to do it. This is going to be the place. And uh, I'm really, really excited to see what he continues to bring to the table. Very interesting. The uh, the great fourth down play he made uh, where they snapped it through the legs to the to the um, tailback where they threw the tight end pop pass. Wonderful uh, imagination to get that play done. So um, as for Arizona State, um, you know, Jaden Daniels didn't – well, Jaden Daniels lost Brandon Ayuk. That was huge. Brandon Ayuk made Jaden Daniels a, a much better quarterback a year ago. And he just had too many young, inexperienced receivers that I think a lot of people thought were going to be better than they were. Um, Johnny Wilson is going to have to be uh, – he's going to have to be a tight end, plain and simple. He, you know, he's, he's not the wide receiving type of, of player. He's going to have to be kind of a Kelsey Kittles, um, you know, guy out there. And that's just, that's just how it's going to be, and it's okay. He can make a great living at the next level doing it. Uh, he just wasn't as explosive as a lot of people thought he was going to be. Who was, was their running game and who they were up front on offense. Jaden Daniels is athletic enough to get out on the perimeter and do some great things with his feet, but he went eight for 15. I know the weather was bad, but he's not going to be a guy that leads your team throwing the football. You guys are going to be a pro style offense, I think, in terms of how you run it physically, use play action, utilize Jaden Daniels on the perimeter with his feet, let him make some plays. And then be a good, strong defense. Now, defensively, they got to get better. You know, they allowed a ton of points to an Oregon State team. It just seemed like people were running free up and down that field all game long on both sides. But ultimately, you know, Arizona State's going to be hard to um, control offensively if they can score 70 and 40. What did they score this game? 40-something? 46. So, uh, yep. 46. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're special. They're a special football team. And, and uh, you know, they're going to have to prove it a year from now. That's for sure. Ironically, for Oregon State, no touchdowns for Jamar Jefferson. The two touchdowns on the ground actually came from Jack Coletta, who's a linebacker for them. He had six carries for 44 yards in those two touchdowns. Big body that they utilized. Like you said, the creativity from Jonathan Smith coming in once again, recognizing another player who typically plays defense, coming in and, uh, and scoring those two touchdowns, keeping them in that game. Arizona State ends their season 2-2, two and 46-33 two, over Oregon State, who ends their season 2-5. and five. But um, the big win, of course, against rival Oregon Ducks in the formerly known as Civil War game. All right, let's move on to that Pac-12 championship. No Washington uh, because of coronavirus. No Colorado because they got screwed out of a game. Arizona Cal got canceled as well because of COVID on both sides. Um, I have a Colorado question for you, but we'll get to that after we preview or actually recap this game. Excuse me. So uh, Oregon went up 14 to seven after the first. They led the entire game. Felt like maybe USC had one more uh, magical fourth quarter in them, but they fell short because you can only do it so many times in a season, apparently. And like you said, um, they, they sort of fell over themselves uh, in this game. Oregon wins 31-24, another Mario Cristobal uh, Pac-12 championship. He did indeed sign his six-year, $27.5 million extension, so he will 
likely be staying in Eugene at least for uh, the foreseeable future. Nonetheless, or, passing, he, or he could or he could leave next year. Yeah, he could <laughs> he could pull our uh, Mel Tucker Willie Taggart and just and get out of Dodge and you know I, I whatever he I wants. Am. There's no there's no there's no um, you know there's nothing there's nothing stopping him. Uh, that's true. Very true. And with the contract, I mean, there are plenty of attractive opportunities, potential opportunities that will give him more money um, than what the, the five and a half to six million that he will eventually make a year uh, at the helm at Oregon. Nonetheless, USC, like you mentioned uh, earlier, you gave them benefit of the doubt. They couldn't get it done. They lose. And uh, they're in purgatory now. They're not going to they're not going to fire Clay Helton. I've, do you do you feel like Graham Harrell is a coach and waiting a little bit? Because remember, it was rumored that he was going to take the job at Utah State, and he didn't. And there have been other coaching opportunities, and he hasn't even inquired, at least from what I've heard within the program. Is he a coach and waiting at USC? I hope not. I mean, he hasn't developed Keaton Slovis at all. You know, that for me is a big thing. Um, you know, we continue to hear Keaton Slovis' name as like – I heard Danny Cannell say it last week on, on his radio show that he's a first-round draft pick. And I'm no. like – what those were not the those are the two um first team and second team um quarterbacks that Wilner has in it and they that's that's the Pac-12's top two quarterbacks no I mean Keaton Slovis had if if I had that receiving core that he has at USC I would be destroying people I mean destroying them and he hasn't even come close Washington State's the only game where he utilized those guys and put a dominant beat down. We have not seen that. The defense played much better. Todd Orlando did a much better job defensively mixing things up, and I thought that was the most uh, improvement of that football team. I, I thought it was uh, – now, is it a developmental year? Is it a wasted season? It's never a wasted season if you get a chance to play games and improve. I just don't know how much they improved at the quarterback position. You know more about the recruiting. Who's the quarterback they got coming in this next year? I Thompson, five-star quarterback from Katy, Texas. Yeah. So now it's going to take a lot to beat him out because he's got a ton of experience. He's built up a ton of equity. But if this young kid comes in and is as highly touted as you say and as good as he is, there should be a, a spirited competition that takes place. And it wouldn't – It's you know it may not be high odds, but it wouldn't surprise me if ultimately – Keaton Slovis isn't the starting quarterback there next year because he has not gotten better. He's either stayed the same or regressed, in my opinion. And they also have four-star quarterback commit Miller Moss out of modern day. Um, we'll see if he even plays football this year in Southern California, committed as well. And you're right. Uh, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, when Keaton Slovis started – or not started, when he came in for an injured JT Daniels last year against Fresno State and it amounted what was eventually actually a comeback because they were down in that game. And everybody's like, oh, this guy's going to be the savior of USC. Ended up solidifying the starting job. Jack Sears transferred to San Diego State. And, uh, and JT Daniels eventually transferred out of the program. It, it felt like Keaton Slovis was going to take the next step, and you're right. What was, the biggest, what was the biggest win last year for, for USC? The biggest win for USC last year? Yeah, what uh, do you think it was? It's a, a Utah win. It's a Utah yeah, win, right? On that, I guess that and, makes and, sense. And who, was, and who was the quarterback? For USC? Yeah. It was Keaton Slovis, wasn't it? Jack Sears. Jack Sears started that game? No, he didn't start it. He played the whole game and threw about three touchdowns. Oh, they won 30-23. to 23. You're absolutely right. 
Jack Sears, you're yep. And no, Matt Fink. Matt Fink played. Sorry, Matt Fink. Matt Fink yeah. was the quarterback that played. Yeah. Um, regardless, it wasn't that was, their biggest, that was that was their biggest win of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's still wow. their biggest win. I would say maybe the Arizona State is a, is their next biggest win uh, under Keaton Slovis. The, he doesn't have a, you know, like people talk about Heisman moments. He he doesn't have a game where I put the stamp on it. You know. I, I just, I don't, I haven't seen it yet. So, you know, we'll see how this all plays out. They haven't, you know, I thought maybe last year they were winning games and they played Oregon down in the Coliseum last year and just got absolutely boat raced. So that wasn't it. And then I thought a bowl game against Iowa against a non-conference opponent. Nope. You know, so I don't think he has a signature win yet. And, you know, you can't be a first round draft pick if you don't even have a signature win to your name. I just don't, don't think that's something you can do, but he'll get to come back next year as a sophomore if he wants, which means he, he actually has three years of eligibility left. So if he could be the quarterback for essentially five years for USC, he could, I wonder how they're going to do that for records. That would kind of suck for yep. Luke Falk. That was my comparison, but that was that, that was my comparison, by the way, Luke Falk to Keaton Slovis. Because so, the way that they're using the air raid? Yeah, and I just think I mean Keaton, you know, Luke Falk's all time leading passer ever in the Pac twelve, right? He got drafted in the sixth round. Yep. He started an NFL game. It's it wasn't a it was a compliment to Keaton Slovis, but people didn't like that comparison. And I'm like, well it's I think it's pretty accurate. You know? Was Michael Crabtree – he wasn't there – no, Luke Falk was way later than the Michael Crabtree year. Like, Luke Falk didn't have the, the weapons that Keaton Slovis even has at USC, not near the weapons, right? Oh, I thought he had some pretty good weapons at Washington State. He had um, – Michael Crabtree was at – He did Graham have Harrell. Michael. Michael Crabtree was at, uh, at Texas Tech with Graham Harrell. Um, okay. Luke Falk was at Washington State with River Craycraft. And, Craycraft. Uh, and Gabe Marks. Uh, he, had some, he had some really talented wide receivers – at his description. I mean, not as they weren't five-star guys. They weren't forced. They were high recruits like what Keaton Slovis has. So um, I, I thought the, the comparison was right. As of right now, I'd say Luke Falk's a better quarterback than Keaton Slovis. He's got to prove it. You know, he's got to prove it. On the other side, Tyler Shuck, eight for 15, 91 yards and interception. Anthony Brown came in through four passes, two of those for touchdowns. Um, completed three. They had, of them. A, they, they had a they had a package ready for him inside the five though. That yeah, was... yeah, no, it makes sense. It makes and it's a grad transfer. Like like you said, like because it's a wasted. It's not a wasted year. It's a it's a free year. Why not Why not throw in some schemes? And the package worked. I mean, uh, he had three rushes as well. With that being said, Oregon fans are frustrated with Shuck. And I texted you. I said maybe maybe it was hyperbolic. Maybe I was frustrated in the moment as well. Um, I do think there's going to be a battle there no matter what because they're going to have Jay Butterfield on the roster. Who knows what happens with the transfer portal? And they have a five-star coming in as well. Um, nonetheless, you feel like Tyler Shuck in our full season with spring game will be the guy for the Oregon Ducks? I don't know. We, I will say this. Give him a year, an offseason, a true offseason, to work face-to-face with uh, Joe Moorhead and his offense, um, a full spring a full fall camp. I, I expect the competitive race because of how they've recruited at the quarterback position. But um, I, I do think that there's something, something there. I also know that his ex offensive coordinators and the new is the new head coach at UNLV. And if it doesn't work out, I have a sneaky suspicion where the transfer portal will take him. 
Yeah, UNLV team that I think do they even play a game? I think they're own own five still. Uh, oh, no, they they it. played in Hawaii. I think they're own six. Yeah, they didn't win a game this year. So yeah, Marcus Rowe, tough uh, tough operating out there uh, in Vegas in a program that just has been not non-existent in football for quite some time. Ironically. <laughs> A lot of people thought that uh, even though Justin Herbert pulled out the victory on Thursday Night Football in what was a great Oregon versus Oregon quarterback matchup, by the way, matchup of the year, I'm calling it right now with my biases, a lot of people thought that Marcus Roy was in the stadium calling the plays uh, towards the end of that of that fourth quarter when Justin Herbert attempted one pass um, and they decided to run the ball ineffectively against the Raiders. Anyway, it's just a little Marcus Roy humor for you. All right, that wraps up the, the recap of the weekend. Oregon is your Pac-12 champions. Two Pac-12 teams end up ranked in the final rankings, depending on where you look. Uh, USC is either 21 or 17. Oregon finishes at 25 in both. So before we wrap up the show, and uh, we will have another pod to preview the two Pac-12 teams in the bowl games, the Fiesta Bowl, Oregon-Iowa State. Colorado's taking on Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Uh, two teams that have matched up actually 18 times in their career. The last time, though, was in 2009. Texas has a five-game winning streak against Colorado going back to 2002. Um, I have a question for you. So this whole conversation surrounding Army, Ryan, Army finishes 7-2 and two this season. They did not get invited to a bowl win – or to a bowl game, excuse me. Jeff Monken, the head coach, uh, coming out with a statement expressing how they want to play. They'll play anybody anywhere. And it's, he's getting a lot of support. This has been seemingly the most prevalent conversation across bowl season, minus maybe Indiana getting snubbed out of the New Year's Six Bowl, which I think they should be playing Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl instead of Iowa State. That's a separate conversation. What do you make of, of the situation going on and the surrounding uh, conversations with Army right now? Well, I, of course. I mean, I don't think anybody should be playing bowl games, but I'm not, you know, I, you know, I can't stop any from doing it. If, if, if they weren't extended an invitation, you know, that – you know, there's just not enough bowl games to go around this year. Now, if I'm somebody like Mississippi State who won two games and is going to a bowl game, I'd say, you know what? We're not deserving of it. Uh, why don't we send Army who not only when they get done playing football are going to protect us and serve our country, but let them play another game of football. That's, I mean, that's the type of thing I would see uh, happen. And, and I, to be honest with you, pressure like this, tends to lead to action. So we may see something in the next few days that, that opens something up. You might see a team that simply goes, hey, um, you know, you want a game? Why don't you come we'll, – we'll come out there and play at West Point. It, it should it'll be a, a lot of fun, you know. Who knows if somebody does that to make it into something bigger. I understand the bowl games uh, and the money that comes with it are different, but there, you know, there are a lot of games that aren't being played this year, and it, it wouldn't it – wouldn't, be disappointing if a team actually backed out and said, we, we love, we love army to, to get this opportunity. Yeah. A pay it forward type situation open here for one of those teams that uh, like you said, a two win Mississippi state team, whose one, one was the opener against LSU uh, a game that everybody thought they were going to get blown out, but nonetheless, not a great season for Mike Leach and his inauguration down there uh, in Starkville. Uh, for the Pac-12, every other team except for that was invited, except for Oregon and Colorado has backed out. No Stanford, UCLA, Arizona State, or USC. Utah's also declined their bowl invitation. So the season basically over for the Pac-12. We'll see what happens with the bowl games. We will preview those um, at a date to be announced. We will keep you posted on social media about that as well. But I guess with that, we'll cap it there. Thank you so much for sticking with us this season. Wait, wait, wait. We should, we should, we should document this and make sure this is on the record, okay? 
And the reason I, the reason I want to have another pod is because I want you to have a chance to win one weekend. Okay. Cause it's, it's been what? Seven weeks. Seven consecutive weeks. This feels like a backhanded opportunity. It feels like you have an ulterior motive here. There's no ulterior ulterior motive. I just, you know, know, I feel. I don't want your pity. I don't want you to feel bad for me. Well, there's empathy there. There's there's empathy there, too. I went 1-15 one season in the NFL. So I, I know what it feels like to lose constantly every single weekend and get berated. Uh, not only by the person that you're be- getting beat by, but then you look at yourself in the mirror every day and you're like, oh, no. So we're going to give another chance. But I, you know, everybody should know out there, and, and, and those of you that are listening to the pod, if you've listened to the pod for the last three weeks, you'd want to need a heck of a lot of money following my lead, people. I'm 11-2-1 in the last three weeks. Yeah, follow Ryan's lead. Don't follow mine on Guess the Lines <laughs> right now. When you say look in the mirror and you're and – you're, and you're sort of mentally beating yourself up. Yeah, that after every Sunday morning, I'm like, how the hell did I pick these teams in this spread again? Um, but all right, you know what? You know what? I will take it and, and I'll run with it. But uh, I do want to acknowledge that I am perfectly okay living and dying by my own decisions. Nonetheless, we will have another podcast. I will have another opportunity to uh, to go 0-8 this year. Why not? Why not make it an even number? I'm more of an even number fan anyways. And that will do it here on Believe in the Pod. Uh, Believe in the Pac-12 on the Believe Podcast Network. Do us a favor, hit that rate, review, and subscribe button. Share with your friends as we will keep this thing rolling through the bowl season. For Ryan Leaf, my name is Jonathan Griffin. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you real soon. Enjoy bowl season, and we hope you enjoyed the Pac-12 season as crazy as it was. Stay safe. We'll be back soon right here on Believe in the Pac-12 on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.